Suppose that Galileo um, had discovered or had hypothesized that, um, th let's say through measurement, because uh, um, as you'll see in a second, this couldn't be done through guessing, but let's say he suspected and he expressed the opinion that um, planets don't move in perfect circles, but rather they, they move in ellipses. So let me explain something here. Let's remember now that Galileo didn't suggest that, that the planets moved in ellipses. That wasn't until Newton, um, using gravity and using his understanding is, and using calculus and such, was able to um, describe or, um, yeah, he's the one who actually made the discovery that the planets actually do move in ellipses. They don't move in perfect circles. And let's say Galileo, before, um, you know, long before calcul calculus, long before <coughs> Newton, had um, made some very careful measurements. And he made these careful measurements, and he came to the conclusion that, hey, these things do, don't move in perfect circles. They move in um, ellipses, and not only that, but this helps us solve one of the main anomalies that we've been dealing with, and that is this notion of retrograde motion, which, by the way, was one of the main anomalies they were dealing with in terms of astronomy. Uh, of course, you know, uh, Galileo would have been aware of this. In terms of astronomy, retrograde motion, now let me make sure that I'll, I'll describe it as I understand it. I'm not an astronomer by any means, but that one of the um, implications of it, of it moving in, um, in, a, in an ellipse, planets moving in an ellipse rather than in perfect circles, is that at times they appear to stop in the sky and even reverse their direction before then they get going again. And this is, I forget the exact reason, but it has something to do with the way uh, an ellipse, um, the way something moves when it's going through an ellipse relative to something else. And um, so let's say Galileo tried to explain to people that he goes, hey, you know, I think this moves in an ellipse. And they'd say, well, why do you think that? He goes, well, I made some calculations, but by the way, when, when you use this relatively simple formula here, um, it shows that it would work that way. Now, I don't know what's causing that this, it to work this way. And, um, but, um, or let's just say he just tried to argue, hey, look, this is what the evidence is indicating. Well, they already did think uh, Galileo was crazy because he suggested that the Earth was not the center of the universe. But now here was another more pressing evidence of his insanity, and that was that he believes these things move in ellipses when an ellipse is negligible from a circle, and yet he's making a fuss over this. That's probably what they would have said to Galileo uh, way back then. Now, that's the way I feel when I'm trying to explain to people the importance of the realization that H2O is a solvent of its own polarity and that um, our current model was built 
without that understanding. And consequently, our current model is, has all these weaknesses, these shortcomings, these confusions. And, and not only that, it has produced a mountain of material that has added to the confusion in their attempt to, uh, to bring some type of consensus to our understanding. And of course, they've been largely unsuccessful in that. There's still not a lot of consensus in water. There's many different um, variants. Some people say there's no anomalies. Other people say there are. Uh, other people say that they, there are anomalies, but they're just part of nature. There's nothing underlying causal about them. And, and there's others who do realize that, hey, what we uh, do have here is something that just seems to work, but it does produce these anomalies. So we, you know, unfortunately, those people are very rare. The ones who realize, hey, you know what, this isn't perfect, because people will just naturally strive for a perfect understanding, similar to um, what's going on with, you know, the uh, celestial motion. It was just natural, you know, an ellipse is close enough to a circle that why wouldn't you go for a circle? Because the circle was so much more elegant, you know, and that's what their mind was. Of course, it was specifically wrong. It was wrong. Planets do not move in specific circles. And not only that, but the uh, Earth is not the uh, center of the universe, which, um, you know, they might have realized that sooner if they understood that there was this other complicating factor because what they did find when they put the earth at the center of, the, of uh, when they did try to make it a planet was that there was still confusion and that of course was caused by the the um the fact that they were look, looking at it as circles and not as ellipses as as it actually is so one confusion caused another confusion caused and 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 what happens when you have greater confusion well a mindset gets gets set in and people give up and they stop thinking and they start just believing one model or another and that's what's happened uh with water people there's so much confusion so much lack of agreement on whether there are anomalies or what an anomaly is and all that and so much, um, most everybody has given up. This happened over long periods of time. Now, even when you take classes in the subject, and it, it, you're, you're already in a defeatist attitude because that's the way they've approached the, the, the subject. So it, it, the mistake they made was they didn't realize that um, planets were moving in ellipses and then, and if they did use that and they plugged it in the data as, as Newton demonstrated, they would then um, have an understanding of how the atmosphere actually works. And it would have taken them, though, a real difficult step of getting rid of something that was sacred to them. Something whose, whose validity they wouldn't even have thought to question. And that was this notion um, that planets move in perfect circles. That, that notion was just so, so attractive to them that they couldn't overcome it and come to the realization that something else was going on. And that's what's going on with water. We're so entrapped by our current understanding, which supposedly relieves the confusion, but actually is part of the confusion, um, 
we're someone trapped in and also there's so there's so much confusion as to what is or isn't the case and it all has to do with the fact that we're our current model has not yet incorporated the fact that H2O is a solvent of its own polarity and what that means what that means in terms of way the way the H2O molecule uh, operates so um, you know the revolution will come after um, people get over their uh, the things they don't really know why they believe them you know they don't know why it, or they, they believe it for reasons that are they're not really good scientific reasons they believe that planets move in a per perfect cir circle because there was just something ethereal about that that just seemed more, you know, just simply more perfect, more like what they think God could be, you know. And um, the, the same kind of thing is going on with water along the lines that our current model was, was, was designated by a person who won the Nobel Prize back in the 1940s and who was a big name. Uh, um, and his name was Linus Pauling. And unfortunately, when he actually described the nature of hydrogen bonding, he just made a mistake. He did not really understand the nature of interaction that happens between the molecules themselves in terms of affecting each other's nature. You see, because polarity is really just kind of a, a an imbalance. In a, and when you form bonds, you actually restore that 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 balance. Now let me make sure I, I'm describing it. When I say an imbalance, it's really it's an electromagnetic imbalance relative to weight. That's what happens um, H2O it, just by its shape. It has this kind of imbalance and then this imbalance effectuates some polarity and that polarity can, can cause them to be attracted to each other. But the ironic thing is that when they do make those connections, what happens? Well, that same thing that's causing that, that relative imbalance becomes balanced. And thus, the electromagnetic imbalance relative to weight is um, turned off to the degree that it does achieve that, that being a hydrogen bond. And that's the way water works. And underlying that is and when you actually play, let the implications of that play out, that's where you start to be able to um, really answer the questions in the same sense that we can answer the questions about uh, what's in the, um, the solar system. You know, we have a good understanding of the sizes and some of the chemistry on the different planets. That same thing can start to happen someday for the sciences that have been, um, whose, whose causal processes are deeply involved with water, and there's just so many of them. Meteorology is a perfect example, and, and where, where they just got the, they just said, well, we're confused, so we're gonna go for this cause, because this cause seems to be what we see. Well, that's the problem. That's the problem. When something seems to be 
like what you see, what you're just doing is simply confirmation bias. That's all you're doing. You're not really doing science. You're just, I see this, I like this explanation, let's move on. You know? And that's literally how people think. And you'll see people even enunciating this. And, it, and no one calls them on it because that's the way everyone thinks anyways. And I'm talking about in the context of a scientific forum where you would think, oh, no, people aren't going to use those kind of thought process. They know better than that, right? Well, no, they don't. Most people don't know better than that. Uh, likewise, during Galileo's time, people just believed that there was these that there's a reason for H, for planets to move in perfect circles and they just believed it that's all it wasn't you know it's no one ever no one ever doubted that you know it's like why would anyone doubt something like that you know or you know why would anyone doubt that the earth is flat everyone can see it everywhere look look how flat earth is over there oh you people are crazy so that's what that's what's going on that's really what's going on. Um, anyways, um, this is James McGann, and uh, this is another episode of Solving Tornadoes. And I hope everyone has a, a, a great uh, Sunday evening. Bye-bye now. Bye.